Welcome, everybody. My name is Tom Pullen. This is the Bible Truth Podcast. And for everybody joining on YouTube, this is the School of Obedience. Welcome. God bless you. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Today, we want to see what the Bible says about giving. And these are the questions that I have for the Scripture to answer. Number one, do we have to give? Is it a sin for me not to give? Number two, how much should I give? Number three, how do I give? Number four, to whom do I give? And fifth, tithe, tell me about it. Brothers and sisters, let's get this. First of all, do we have to give? Now, before we get into all of that, before we get into what the Bible says, I want you to understand something. I need to point out that as believers, we have traditions or practices that we must do, that we must practice. Example, we must pray, we must fast, we must read the Bible, we must meditate on the Bible, we must praise with thanks always, we must worship, we must fellowship as brethren. And the list obviously goes on. And giving is a part of these practices and or traditions of the Christian faith. If you are a true believer, you are prayerful, you fast, you read the Bible, you witness or testify about Jesus Christ, and you give. Now I know you're not here for my opinion. You're here to hear what the Bible has to say. So let's get into the Bible. In the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, we answering the question, do I have to give? It says, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, you heard that. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And then we go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. I'm going to read the verses, but there's something I will point out after I read the verses. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I just want to pick out a word there, when, okay? It says, when you give to the needy. It says it twice. When you give to the needy, not if you give, when you give. So in Christ speaking here and saying when you give, I'm sure he's stating that it is necessary for us as believers in Christ, as believers in the word, to give. Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 17. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. So God has blessed you. So you must give as you are able. 
But he says, every man shall give as he is able. And you measure how much you're able to give according to how much God has blessed you. And then we go to John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. He says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down ourselves for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So when you know somebody has a need and you just ignore it, but you are able to meet that need or even to help meet that need, he says, you've got to do it. Let's not just love in word and in talk. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. You have to help out. You have to do good. Don't neglect to do good and to share what you have. You know, the modern church has become a place of building up selfishness and boastful people. I once attended a a church service where somebody was boasting about how they've bought four cars and maybe when they come to testify again that they've bought a fifth car. And you're in a congregation where there's people that don't have shoes, where there's people that are hungry, where there's people that don't know if they're going to be able to meet their bills for the month. Don't neglect to do good and to share what you have. Within your capacity, you've got to make sure that you are giving to those who need. So we see that giving is a part of our relationship with God. That's what we see. We have to give. You have to be a regular giver. That's important. You have to give. And everybody on every level has has something to give, especially to those who I need. Now, I want to point out something to you here because I've, I've been around. I've been in church for a while. I've been in ministry for a minute. And there's one thing that I've noticed. When people are giving, especially when they give money or something that they consider very valuable and they think it's above your level, or they think you don't deserve it, they treat you a certain way, and they act a certain way. So they'll give how they please, when they please. And sometimes they'll even tell you what to do with what they're giving. And sometimes they'll hold that gift against you. And I've noticed that a lot of the time, people become disrespectful because they think that They're helping you out. And then sometimes some people think that their gift is now supposed to give them some sort of leverage in your life. I want you to understand something. Everybody that is giving, when you give, you give to honor God. You never give to honor yourself, to glorify yourself, or the individual that you are giving to. You give to honor God. That is the only reason why you give. When you give to the needy, it's in obedience to the word and it is to honor God. 
throne now lord over the needy. By honoring God, you're actually doing yourself a favor. Don't ill-treat people and look down on people. You give to honor God. Let me show you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruit of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And then listen to First Chronicles when they were given to build the temple in chapter 29, verse 12 to 14. Both riches and honor come from you, talking to God, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able to thus offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. You see, everything is God's. Your breath, your life, everything you have, everything you are, belongs to God. You can be the most atheist person living on the earth, where your face is the definition of atheist. Doesn't matter. Everything belongs to God, even what you have. It says here, you are Lord over all. So when you come with a gift and you are giving a gift to a poor person, you are giving a gift to somebody who has a need and you are helping meet that need, or you are giving to a minister of the word, you don't come with arrogance and think what you're doing is such a blessing for that individual. It is, but it's a blessing to them from God, not from you, because you are bringing your gift to honor God, not to bring glory to yourself. That's why this nonsense they do in church of, oh, who's got 5,000, stand up, wave your offering in the air. Those who are paying their tithes, stand up, wave your tithe in the air, stand in the line, we want to give you a special blessing. This is giving to honor self. Because when you give to honor God, you are humble about it. You check your attitude, you check yourself, and you come with a humble heart to give to God. That's how you give to honor God, as Jesus said, secretly, not boastful and wanting recognition. Come on, people. Now, this is an important one. How much should we give? Because what we hear in church and growing up in church, I'm sure you've heard sacrificial giving. Give until it hurts. Because if you don't give sacrificially, God won't bless you. It's got to be sacrificial. Sometimes skip lunch and save that money to give. Let's see what the Bible says. Deuteronomy 16, 17. I read this before, reading it again. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. So you give what you are able to give according to the blessing of God. That's how you give. That's how much you give. Let me tell you a story. True story. True story. There was a story of this lady that needed to pay her child's school fees. And the school fees were $300 for the term. Now, she always paid her child's school fees faithfully. She always paid her child's school fees on time. But this time, she was going through a bit of a struggle. So she went to church. 
and she told a leader in the church her predicament. And she said, I've got 200 but the school fees are $300. And before school opens, I'd like to pay the full three. And she was advised that if you have faith in God, give the $200 into the offering sacrificially, and God will make a way for the school fees to be paid. She gave. She obeyed because she was taught that you've got to give, sacrificially give, until it hurts. School opened. She didn't have the money, but because she's always been a good payer, the school said, what we'll do is we'll give you a month to cover the fees. Her situation got worse. So in a month's time, she was not able to cover the fees. She pleaded with the school, and they said, listen, we'll give you the second month, but please make sure you cover the fees, otherwise we have to kick your child out of the school. Nothing changed in her situation. They were struggling for food at home, struggling to pay bills, and obviously struggling to pay fees. They were just barely getting by. So the school eventually kicked the child out of school and sent a letter of final demand to the mother to pay for the, the fees because the child had attended school without her paying. Eventually, the term ended, she didn't pay. She got a, a notice from the school that the child is no longer welcome at the school. The child must find another school. Now, this is my problem with what's taught in the false church. Because rightfully, if she had taken that $200 and put it as part payment for the fees, the child would have probably been in school the whole term and without the embarrassment of being basically expelled. But she was told to give sacrificially. Give as you are able. Listen to me, people out there. Pay your bills, okay? Pay your rent, pay for your heating. Buy your groceries, pay for your water, pay for your electricity. Make sure your kids' fees are paid. Make sure their uniforms are neat, clean, smart. Make sure their shoes don't have holes underneath. Cover what you need to cover for yourself. And after that, what you are able to, okay? You cover transport, fuel, insurance for your cars, whatever it is. And after that, give as you are able. He says, according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. So when God blesses you, obviously there's a little spill over. And from that, you can choose what portion you want to give. Don't give your four-month salary. Come on, people. Because then you, you're leaving a wife and children at home who are bitter towards God and the church because, oh, I'm a sacrificial giver. That is not the way God intended it to be. You understand? God did not intend for you to put... In fact, the Bible says a man who does not take care of his family is a heathen. So don't do that. If you're a single guy and you're thinking, hey, if I don't pay my rent, I don't mind spending three, four months on the street, I want to give, then that's up to you. But if you have people around you, and even for your own life, there's needs that need to be taken care of. Pay your medical insurance. You understand? Okay, but now you say, but what about sacrificial giving? 
I know Brother Thomas gave sacrificially and God blessed him abundantly. Listen to me. I'm not saying we don't give sacrificially. When we give sacrificially, we give in wisdom. Don't be foolish with it. Listen to this. For they gave according to their means, okay? As I can testify, and beyond their means, listen to this, of their own free will, all right? They gave according to their means. And after they gave according to their means, they gave beyond their means of their own free will. They thought about it. They discussed it. They conditioned in their hearts that that is what they want to do. And they did it of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this is not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, then by the will of God to us. That's 2 Corinthians 8, 3 and 5. You see that? Of their own free will. And what were they given to? They were given to the relief of the saints. There were some saints that were going through hardship and they were giving to the relief of those saints. You can give beyond your means, but you've got to be sure. Think about it. Pray about it. Be certain and act with full knowledge, not emotional. Don't get hyper and excited. Oh, <laughs> you... <laughs> You know, in, 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 in these churches, they say, oh, it's giving time. And giving time is the best part of the service because you get to give to God. Wave your offering. Be excited. Bring a, a big gift to God and you're jumping and screaming and clapping hands. Yay, it's time to give. That is hypnosis. That is taking advantage of the gullible. Everything you do, you think about it. Free will. You think about it. You plan your giving in wisdom and you give yourself to God and you make sure that your offering is to honor God. Then you give. You don't give hyper. You don't give emotional in a hypnotic state. And then after church, you're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do for food? What am I going to do for my bills? And like I said, I've been around for a minute. I've seen that happen. I've seen people give in church and then after that, go and borrow from their family and friends to cover their bills. And what that does is it makes the family and friends bitter towards God. That's what it does. Be wise. And then on how much you should give, it says in Second Corinthians 9, 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Okay, so when you give to the needy, when you give to the work of the ministry, when you give to the poor, when you give to the widows or the orphans, if you give sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But if you give bountifully, you will reap bountifully. So you give, how much you give is based on how much you understand this and you want to apply this. If you want to reap bountifully, you give bountifully. If you want to reap sparingly, you give sparingly. Okay, then we go to Luke 3.11. And this is what John says. And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics, two coats, is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. So you've got two jackets. It's winter. 
and you see somebody, brethren in the church, who has no jacket and he's freezing in church, you give him one. Okay? Same thing with food. You see somebody that does not have any food, you don't have to go out and buy them groceries or give them money. You can share what you've prepared for yourself. Half the plate goes to them, half to you. These are acts of righteousness. These are fruits of righteousness. These are the works of righteousness. Okay? So that's how much you give. What you have abundance of, you give. Don't be talking about, oh, I've got a closet full of of sneakers, all the best sneakers. I've got about 15 pairs of sneakers. got about 30 pairs of track suits. I got about 20 suits. And yet you know people that don't have a pair of shoes, that don't have a suit, that don't have clothes to keep them warm. Take and give. You heard. Ezra chapter 2, verse 69. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury of the work 61,000 dariks of gold, 5,000 minas of silver, and 100 priestly garments, according to their ability. What you are able to give, give. Luke chapter 21, verse 1 to 4. Listen to this one. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. This verse is used to manipulate so many people into giving. Oh, the widow gave sacrificially, dig deeper, sacrifice. She gave everything she had. That's what you hear. You give everything you had. In fact, this month, when you get your paycheck, you transfer all of it to the church because we want to be like the widow and give sacrificially. Again, be wise. The widow gave all all that she had because it was what she set in her heart to do. She was not guilted into it. She was not manipulated into it. She gave according to what she had set in her own heart. If you want to give sacrificially, then do you. But make sure that you've prayed about it that you've thought about it, that you've studied scripture on it, and that you are certain that that is what you want to do. Because it is wrong to give foolishly. How do we give? Now, this is so important. One of the things, let me read the verse first, then we'll talk. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So basically, it's only the person that is receiving from you, it's only that individual that's supposed to know that you're giving. And if possible, 
if possible, you can give anonymously. But, like I'm saying, it's only the person that's receiving from you that knows that you're giving now. Again, the false church. You know, I keep saying the modern church is, is, it's not modern, it's false. The false church, they directly go against this verse. Maybe your church doesn't, okay? Maybe you're in a true church. I'm talking about the false church where your giving is on record, where you stand up in church to pay your tithe, you stand up in church to give your offering, wave your offering, take your offering out of your pocket and wave your offering. It is antichrist, okay? I'm going to be real with it. It's antichrist because it's against what Christ is saying. It's directly going against the word of God, directly. And they're not even ashamed of it. And they say that, no, you've got to give openly so that when God blesses you, people see that you gave. Where do they get that mess from? Because it says here, if you give in secret, your father who sees in secret will reward you. But if you give openly, God is not going to reward you. But they say give openly so God rewards you. Come on, people. Anyway, we're talking about how you give. Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 10. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Listen to me now, okay? Listen to this verse. You will give to him freely, okay? And your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work. When you give freely and not grudgingly, the Lord will bless all your work and everything that you undertake. It's not just in the act of giving. Because some people want to give to God like his some get-rich-quick scheme. I'm giving $100 and he's going to multiply it by 100 or he's going to multiply it by 10. No, God doesn't work like that. God works with the heart of man. God will reward you according to the condition of your heart when you gave. He'll bless your work. He'll bless everything that you undertake to do when you give freely and not grudgingly. And then 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7, it says, Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must, must give. Now, th- this, is, this is what I was saying. Watch this. Each one must give as he has made up his mind. See, remember what I said. Think about it. Plan. Make up your mind. Make a decision. And give as you have made up your mind and not reluctantly. Don't let nobody force you to give. Don't let nobody guilt you to give. If you are convicted to give and to help or whatever, then respond to that conviction. But I mustn't be sitting here saying, oh, people don't give and God is going to curse you and da-da-da until you feel guilty. You know what? You know what? I once heard a a, a preacher say that if you don't pay your tithes, God is going to get those tithes from you somehow. Your child is going to fall sick. You're going to have an accident. (laughs) Imagine. So people are giving out of fear because they're thinking, hey, I could end up paying a huge hospital bill. No, 
God does not want that kind of giving. Make up your mind and don't give reluctantly or under compulsion. Okay, these churches that, oh, it's offering nugget time, it's offering time, and somebody comes and they give what they call an offering nugget or an offering gem or a, a wisdom treasure for offering whatever. It is deception. It is deception. You must not give under compulsion before you give to the needy, before you give to a ministry. You must have made up your mind that, God, this is how I want to honor you. And this is what I'm going to honor you with. And you must be satisfied that you are doing the right thing, giving the right amount, and you must be cheerful in giving it, for God loves a cheerful giver. You've got to give with a prepared mind, and you've got to give cheerfully. If you are sitting in a church and you feel compelled to give because of what they are saying, don't give. Wait until you've prayed about it, planned, and thought about it. You heard Second Corinthians 8.12. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Oh my gosh. How many of you have been in a church service, in a false church, and they say that there's an anointing in this place and you have to give into this anointing? So if you don't have money today, write an IOU and you'll pay later. Or borrow from somebody, but you have to give. How many of you have been in a service like that? You see, that's the false church, again, against the Bible. If the readiness is there, if you are ready to give, it is acceptable for a person to give according to what you have, not according to what you do not have. No IOUs in church. What you have on you, give, and that's it. You see, remember the story that we read, the testimony that we read about the widow with the two mites. Jesus honored her for the little that she gave. He didn't say she should have written an IOU. He honored her for the little that she gave. But your heart has got to be ready. And listen, there's no such thing as stingy giving, okay? Don't give as little as you can. Be genuine with it. It says give according to the way God has blessed you. To whom do we give? Luke 6.30 Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. I want to clarify something and I want you to listen to this. When the Bible talks about giving to those in need, giving to the ministry, okay? Listen to this very, very carefully. The Bible is talking about giving to meet the most basic needs of that person. So when it says give to everyone who begs from you, it's not saying if I come to your house and I beg you for your car that you must give me. You're allowed to say no. It's talking about giving towards food, clothing, shelter, and water. That's what it's talking about. You don't have to give a car to the preacher. You don't have to give a mobile phone to somebody who asks you for one. No, you don't. You can if you want to. A lot of the time, one time I, I, I taught this verse to somebody, and I said we have to obey this verse, and we have to apply it. And he turned around and said to me, so if you're saying right now, if I say, 
give me your computer. You have to give it to me. No, I don't, because that's a luxury for you. But if you ask me for food, if you ask me for clothing, shelter, water, I'll give. And if you ask me for a computer and I've got two, I'll give one. Bible says so. But you see that that's very important. Once the person's most basic needs are taken care of, that's done. They are sustained for the day. Okay, so that's who you give. You give to everyone who asks you, not for money, for shoes, not for a party for their kid, not for car parts or, you know, unless they desperately need the car for work. You know, like I'm saying, their basic needs. If it's a basic need for them, then you give to that. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7 to 8. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you'll open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need. That's what I was saying just now. You give sufficient for his need, enough to supply his need. You see that? Not in abundance, not his luxury, sufficient for his need whatever it may be. I like that. I should have actually said that because like I'm saying, for somebody, a computer may be a need because it's got to do what they work. So you give sufficient for his need if you're able to. So you help out your poor brother, sufficient to his need. Brethren in the church, you help out. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-seven: Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. You give to the poor. And don't hide your eyes from the need of the poor. And then Proverbs 19.17 Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Okay, so you give to those who ask you. You give to the brethren in the church that have a need and you know they have a need. You give to the poor. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13 and 14, Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share the sacrificial offering? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Can you see the verse? It's talking about their food, taking care of their basic needs. So you give to those who preach the gospel. Now, now listen to me again. If somebody is preaching false teachings to you, that is not the gospel. Please, okay? A lot of the times, there are people who are preaching the true gospel and they're struggling because we want to give into a false system for self-glory. That's true. Those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. And it says the Lord commanded this. So whoever's preaching the gospel to you, you must give to them. Whoever's preaching the true gospel to you, you must give to them. First Timothy five seventeen and 18. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when he treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. So again, whoever's preaching the truth to you, you must give to them, because he is laboring and deserves his wages. 
one who is taught the word, this is Galatians 6.6, 6, one who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. So again, somebody who's teaching the word, the true word, when you are blessed, when you get special benefit in your life, you share with the one who is teaching you. Okay. And then I want you to take note of the of this Luke 9, verse 3 to 5. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey. Don't take a staff, bag, bread, money, and do not have two tunics. And whichever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Again, those preaching the true gospel, he says, don't carry anything. Your basic needs will be taken care of by those who receive the gospel. I taught a message, dust your feet on the podcast. Check it out, okay? But those who preach the true gospel, if people receive the gospel, they'll give to you. If they don't, they won't, okay? James chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep one's, oneself unstained from the world. Keep away from the world and take care of the widows and the orphans in their time of need, in their affliction. We give to widows and orphans. Now, Paul gives in Timothy a whole list of conditions for which widows the church must give to. It's not just rando, any widows, okay? But we give to orphans and widows. We take care of their most basic needs. Food, clothing, water, shelter, okay? And then you give to your relatives. First Timothy 5.8, this is what I was talking about. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's what I'm saying. I was talking earlier about the sacrificial giving. Give sacrificially. Give, and then your family is struggling at home. You've denied the faith, and you're worse than an unbeliever. You've got to take care of your people. You've got to take care of your people. And I want to say this to you. You cannot pick and choose. All these that you are supposed to give to. Somebody said to me the one time, I can't give to the ministry. Okay, they were talking to me. And they were saying, I can't give to your ministry because I'm taking care of my relatives. That is not biblical. We don't pick and choose, okay? And sometimes when people think that we have to give to the ministry, you're thinking that you, you have to give hundreds, thousands of dollars. Sometimes a loaf of bread suffices as long as it's measured by how God has blessed you. Somebody said to me the other time, um, I asked them, do you give to the poor? When you see the poor, do you give to the poor? And they're like, I can't help the poor because I'm helping my relatives. That's not right. That's not right. Okay, you've got to make sure that you are giving on all fronts. It's the grace of giving. I know it sounds hard, but again, like I said, it's within your means. It's not saying sacrificial. It's not saying you must suffer. It's within your means. One of the things that disturbs me, you know, some time ago I was talking to an individual and they were saying that they're saving $3,000 because they want to take, take a trip to Dubai. And when they get to Dubai, they want to jet ski, they want to go shopping, experience all the luxury. But there's people in their lives, in their life, that are struggling to make ends meet, to eat, to pay their bills. And this person, they saved up their money and they went on their, their wonderful holiday. 
We've got to have more compassion. You know, this is just a suggestion. Sometimes skip a holiday or two. Do like how the Jews had their feasts. Once every three years, take your family, have a good time. But in between then, care for those that have needs. Care for the work of the ministry. Care for the orphans and the widows. Care for the poor. And most importantly, care for the brethren in the church that are going through struggle. Now, let's get down and dirty. Let's talk about one of the most controversial topics in modern Christianity. Let's talk tithe. This is a big issue because everybody throws out Malachi chapter, let me just go there, Malachi chapter 3. Okay, you've all heard this. If you've been in church and you've been to church, you've all heard this. You're robbing God, you thief. You're robbing God. Okay, we're going to go there in a moment. And I want to read Malachi chapter 3 to you. Okay, in fact, let me read. Let me read Malachi chapter 3 to you. From verse 1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand up when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, like a fuller's soap. He will stir as a refiner and purify of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in the former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired workers in his wages. A lot of you people out there, especially in third world countries, God is going to be swift in judgment against those who oppress the hired workers in his wages. You are unjust in paying your workers. God's judgment is coming. Who oppress the widow and the fatherless and against those who thrust aside the sojourner, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. So God is coming to judge all those people. Now, from verse 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Okay? He says, I don't change. That's why you're not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts. But how shall we return? Watch this. Will a man rob God? You, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with the curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Who's he talking to? What nation? He's talking to the people of Israel. He says, you've robbed me in your tithes and offering, the whole nation of you. You've turned away from me. But he says, return to me, and I will return to you. How will we return to you? Stop robbing me in your tithes and contributions. That's why you are cursed, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Please listen to this carefully. 
bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that they may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the window of heaven for you and pour for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fall to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of us keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not. This is the verse that is used to whip people, beat people into giving tithe. So the question now, the controversy of it here is, should I pay my tithe? Should I give my tithe? Because I don't want to be cursed and I don't want the devourer on my back. First of all, in that verse, he's talking to the nation of Israel clearly. But on the issue of tithe, let's talk about it for a minute. Tithing today refers to money or goods believers give away in service of God. The most common expression of tithing today is collection in the church. A lot of people have been manipulated into thinking that giving to a particular church is what the Bible calls tithing. People give money and the church uses it to pay for the pastors, the cost for the building, supposed to use it for the pastor, for the cost of the building, and for charity and missions. I'm going to show you what the tithe was for, okay? Now, the tithe is rooted in the law of the Old Testament. There were different kind of tithes. The Israels were to give a tenth of their produce and their livestock to the Levites. The Levites were one of 12 tribes of Israel, which had been set aside to serve God. The Levites did not have their own land as an inheritance, so they could not farm any crops. They belonged to God. So the tithe they received was their salary. Of that, they gave a tenth to the priests who served in the temple. And you can read this, Numbers 18, 21 to 29. So the tithe made sure that there was a tribe who could spend all their time serving God on behalf of the rest of the nation. Okay, Then there was also a tithe for the holy feast. There was a tithe that was to be taken to the temple once a year and to be enjoyed at the holy feast. This is Deuteronomy 12, 17 to 19 and 14, 22 to 27. The people were to take a tenth of their produce, fruit, grain, wine, and livestock, and they could bring their whole families, including their servants and Levites living in their towns. And basically, they threw a feast, a party. The feast had to take place before the Lord in the place where the tabernacle or the temple was. 
feasting on the abundance of what God had given the people was seen as a way to honor God. This tithe was to be enjoyed. The other tithe mentioned in the Old Testament law was the three yearly tithe, which was stored in the city where people lived. This was used as a source of food for the Levites, the orphans, the widows, and the foreigners, all those who do not have a secure form of income. You can read about this in Deuteronomy 14, 28-29. This tithe ensured that nobody had to go hungry. Let me ask you something. In your church that's collecting tithe, do they do this? Do they have a tithe for the pastor, for orphans and widows and foreigners, and all those who are struggling with a secure income? Is your church taking care of the needs of those who are in need in the church? That's what the tithe was for. So, after the tithe, there was also a free will offering, which people could give extra to show love and express thankfulness to God. This must not be confused with offerings that were offered for sins that had been committed. These offerings are no longer necessary because Jesus obviously was the sacrifice for our sins. So as Christians, we never give money or goods in exchange for forgiveness or for healing or for anything that Jesus has already done on the cross. Now in the New Testament, Christians are not directly required to tithe. The tithing in the Old Testament law was for that specific situation. It was given for the Levites. But in the New Testament, there is no instruction or command given to the New Testament church that we should be tithing. Okay, but just hold on. Don't throw your confetti in there and think, oh, I don't need to tithe. Just keep listening. But because that principle is not there, Christians should try and make sure that those among them who have been set aside to serve God full-time, pastors, missionaries, and other church workers have what they need. Most of the time, a church cannot afford to pay a pastor's salary because most of the time, the members are poor. But if God has blessed a church with abundance, that church should take this responsibility. The believer should celebrate the good things that God gives them with a thankful heart and share with those who are ministering the word to them and with those around them, especially the poor, the widows, and the orphans. The believer should set aside a portion of their income for the poor and vulnerable. Listen to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 5. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers through these also are descendants of Abraham. The tithe was for the Levites. We clear on that. The tithe was for the Levites. Are we required to pay tithe in the modern church? Yes and no. Yes to the stingy people that don't want to go beyond what they're supposed to do, that don't want to, like Paul says, abound in the grace of giving. They want to, people ask, should I not pay my tithe? A lot of the time, it's not because they feel that I'm not doing enough. It's because they feel that they don't want to give to the church. I actually heard somebody teach that you should not give to the church at all. Yes, somebody was teaching that. You should not give to the church at all. Somebody once said, how can a pastor depend on the gifts of people? He should get a job for himself. I want you to understand something about these Levites and 
these pastors and preachers that preach the true gospel. I'm not talking about these money-hungry dudes. I'm talking about pastors that preach the true gospel. These people have been set aside by God, and they will serve God unconditionally, whether they're struggling, whether they have no food, whether their bills are not met, they will faithfully serve God. But these are the people that you should be taking care of. The tithe is set aside for the Levites, for the widows and the orphans. So if you are paying tithe, if you're a stingy person, yes, pay your 10% tithe, but that tithe is not to go to an organization that is talking about we need to expand the building. We need to get a bigger building. We need more disco lights. We need smoke machines. It's to go to the preaching of the true gospel and to widows and orphans and people that I need in the church. The tithe is the base of giving, okay? It is the base of giving. If you are a stingy person, if giving is difficult for you, then you must tithe. But please tithe correctly. On the question of should I tithe or not, I want to say this for the last time. It's not about that. If you are abounding in the grace and the ministry of giving, then you don't have to tithe. But if you want to restrict yourself to the base, then yes, 10% is the bare minimum. I hope you understand. I hope that's clear. If you don't, question in the comments below. Don, I have questions. State your question and I'll help you to the best of my ability. Jesus also said this to the disciple. There was a rich man who had, who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this thing I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me to their houses. So someone in his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill, Write 80. The master commended this dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you in their eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You use your money to honor God. Basically, that's what he's saying. You are a steward, okay? So when you look at your money, you look at it as a way and means to serve God, not for you to glory in yourself and misuse it. You've got to trust God and do not trust money. And if you trust God, you will use your money to honor God. Giving is essential. May you abound in the grace of giving. I hope you heard. Now, I know 
Let me just elaborate on something before uh, I shut this down. I know you're going to say, but tithing was in the law, and we're not supposed to keep the law, so I shouldn't tithe. When you're giving and when you're tithing, you've got to do it right. Make sure you're giving to the right places and the right people. But if you choose to tithe and you want to do the base, you've got to remember that that's what the law is. It's the, it's the schoolmaster. The law is not the principle applied. The law is the schoolmaster to keep you in line and in check. For example, Jesus says, the law says don't commit adultery. But I say to you, don't look on a woman to last after her. Okay, that's an example. It's the same thing with tithe. You have to be giving at some level. So if the law says 10%, then that's what you've got to be given, 10%. So when you give your 10th, 10%, that's the law, that's the base. And if that's all you want to do, that's the base, that's what you have to give. But if you want to abound in the grace of giving, you thoughtfully and prayerfully give as God impresses on your heart. God bless you. Hope you've been blessed. Hope you've been touched by this soul. Any questions, like I said, just leave them in the comments. The email is there. Hit me up and we'll respond to those questions. God bless you. Thank you for this. Please on YouTube, subscribe, like, share. Those of you that are able to, please hit, hit the Patreon page and become a Patreon member there. If you are able to become a member on YouTube, okay, there's the membership button there. Just click on that and choose a level at which you'd like to support this channel. And thank you for that. God bless you. Have a great one. I've been Tom Pullen. This has been the Bible Truth Podcast. See you in the next one. I'm out.